0: But telling stories, I like like to say. So it's a story told of the prophet Elijah. A woman comes to prophet Elijah bringing in her arms a dead child. And she has on her face the pain that only a mother who has buried a child could understand. And she says, prophet Elijah, we hear you're such a miracle worker. Could you please bring one child to life? And he says, yes, sure I will do that, but you have to go bring me a loaf of bread in which there have never been tears, never been shed tears of grief. So she, you know, she goes to the first house, knocks on the door, says, you know, if you have a loaf of bread, we have a loaf of bread. Have ever been shed in this home tears of grief? Well, as a matter of fact, then they invite her in, then they tell her their story, and she tells her, her story, and she says, Thank you very much. And she goes somewhere else, just Excuse me, do you have a loaf of bread? Sure, we have a loaf of bread. Have ever been shed in this home tears of grief? Well, as a matter of fact, and they tell their story, and she tells her story, and she goes somewhere else, and she goes somewhere else, and, and eventually she comes back to prophet Elijah and says, thank you very much. You have given me the gift of my humanity for an understanding that I'm not alone in my grief. That has helped me to feel my sense of connection rather than my sense of isolation from other people. So I start with that story, and I I, want to make a couple of quick points, and then we're going to go study a text. So first of all, it teaches the obvious that all human folk are, uh, are affected by death, that it's simply the reality of life and obviously, there's a very different situation. You know, I'm sure you deal with a lot of this, Sandy, but you know, when somebody's uh, uh, you know, burying a young man uh, who has three young children or, or God forbid, a child, is very different than a 95-year-old person who has lived a full life. And we don't know why some people have one destiny and other people have another destiny. We, we, we really don't. But try as we will, we are all affected by the human encounter with death. As I like to say, physical mortality is built into the operating system of human beings. That being the case, we, hi, you're welcome, you're, you're in the right place at the right time. Sorry, I'm late. Uh, you're just in the right place at the right time. That being the case, we are living through a time of profound cultural transformation with regard to attitudes of dying and death. Um, I I love to tell the story right here because this is where Elizabeth Kubler-Ross spent the last years of her life. Um, In 1900, Sigmund Freud published The Interpretation of Dreams, and he was very clear that he was inaugurating the new century in, in publishing that book that sort of begins his his theories that, that lead to cultural transformations of attitudes towards human sexuality. And so it's, what, it's 116 years later, and Lord knows we're still working on that one. You know, we, we, we've come a long way with some of the issues that are taking place in, 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 in this country with regard to what, the redefining marriage and all, all, all of that. But certainly, you know, transgender is in, is in the vocabulary. Well, we still have a long way to go with regard to really transforming human attitudes towards human sexuality. In 1969, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross writes, I'm Death and Dying. And I sort of see her as the Sigmund Freud of Death and Dying. And that sort of launches her process of transforming cultural attitudes towards death and dying. That, that, that many of you will remember the funeral of um, uh, uh, John Kennedy. You know, so in, in nineteen sixty three, that's what Jacqueline Kennedy is sort of the, the, the epitome of how you respond to death by not by, by being stoic. You know, and then there was a contrast to that with Princess Diana's funeral, where you know, like like there's a gay man playing piano in Westminster Abbey and the family has a certain sense of righteous indignation and the family are involved. And so we're we're seeing the baseline change with regard to attitudes towards dying and death. Something like forty percent of all people are dying in hospice now in America. But unfortunately, many of them only get there within the last 48 to 72 hours. But the bar has changed. So the question that I have been asking is, so what's the Jewish contribution to this emerging new approach to death and dying? So the third, you're in the right place at the right time. The, the third point that I want to make, here we have, there's room at the table, so, so uh, by all means, join us. The third point that I, that I want to make is that Judaism has a very rich tradition to be able to help us deal with that. You know what, if you slide down, I, I, I hate to have something I can't fully see in my line of vision, so. So if you move down a little bit, you, 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 won't, get, you won't get my cold shoulder. <laughs> Here, just grab a chair and, 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 and slide it in there. So Judaism has rich philosophical traditions about afterlife and the soul, and we did that on Thursday night. It has very rich functional tools around grief rituals, some of which we're losing touch with and we need to reclaim. And also, and this is to sort of begin to focus on what we're going to do today, we find some very interesting models in Torah about how to live with dying and death. So on Friday night, I talked a little bit of Moses' death in Torah and, 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 and Midrash. And today, what I want us to do, we're actually going to rewind the Torah a little bit. We're going to go back to Parshat Vayechi, and we're going to look at Jacob's death and Joseph's death in 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 the book of Genesis and ask the question, what do we learn from these people that's helpful? Because often the stories we hear about how people die, nobody's talking to each other in the family, and and, 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 and there's there's a real sense of discomfort in even being able to talk about death. So, uh, so I think that, that looking at this text will help us look at some of our own attitudes and areas of interest and And uh, and values. So we want to take the text and bring to it the understanding of the contemporary psychology of death and dying that's emerging, and also find ways of making the ancient text relevant for our lives today. So in a second, we're going to go. Everybody, have a text. Do we need? You, you you have one. uh, You got it. Just turned over. Okay. Yes, you got. uh, you, got, there's an, we, you don't have to do two for the price of one. Here, you have a couple of extra texts there somewhere.
1: you got a stack on the
0: table. I have a stack on the table. I'm, I'm just selling them on eBay after this class. So. Okay. So, when you, if you think about it, the story of Jacob's life is actually a strange story in a lot of ways. You know, here's an old guy about to die. He had two wives. He had two concubines. His daughter was raped. They didn't teach you that in Hebrew school. His daughter was raped. Uh, he had heavy conflict with his brother Esau. His son was thrown into the pit. I mean, you know, it sounds like one of these reality TV shows or something like that. It, you know, it, this is like this is the modern dysfunctional family. Uh, you know, his grandfather. You know, his grandfather Abraham tried to try to kill his father Isaac. You know, he's got he's got like he's got issues here, right? So, imagine Genesis Productions, you know, the life of Yonkel, the last chapter. So, we pan in, and just to, you know, to briefly summarize the story, Jacob finally gets to Egypt. How long did he spend in Egypt? Spent 17 years catching up with Joseph, right? He had been cut off from his son, Joseph and he gets to be with his children and his grandchildren. You know, they all, like, they, they, they all get a green card and they come into Egypt and, you know, and, and, and they migrate there. And then as the story winds down, he calls his children there and he blesses, first he blesses his, his grandchildren, Menashe and Ephraim, and then he blesses all of his sons and he chews them out a little bit. You know, you screwed up here, you did that. And then he gives his last wishes and the old patriarch dies. And then later the text actually describes a little bit of, of the mourning that's done for him. And then the, the text ends with Joseph dying. So let's go to the text. Um, you want to read the first one, please?
2: Jacob lived in Egypt 17 years. And the years of his life were 147. And the time drew near for Israel to die. He called his son Joseph and said to him, If I have found favor in your eyes, put your hand under my thigh and promise that you will show me kindness and faithfulness. Do not bury me in Egypt, but when I rest with my fathers, carry me out of Egypt and bury me where they are buried. I will do as you say, he said. Swear to me, he said. Then Joseph swore to him and Israel worshiped as he leaned on the top of his
0: step. And then the, 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 sort of the, like the, the, the signature on that is, is a little bit later. It says, and I'll read this one. When Jacob had finished giving instructions to his son, he drew his feet up into the bed, breathed his last, and was gathered to his people. So the first question I want to ask is, what do we notice about Jacob's attitude towards his own death in this text? So I talk, now I can sit down with you. Pardon? He's calm, right? There's there's this complete acceptance of death. It's not like, let's not talk about it. It's not like the the wife knows the husband's dying, the kids know the father's dying, the husband knows he's dying, the doctors know the patient is dying, and nobody wants to talk about it. He says, behold, I'm about to be gathered to my people. In a little while I'm going to say what gathered to my people means. I'm going to die. And... Contrast that with some of the stories that you've you've heard of in your family. You know, because we want to make this text relevant. I want I want to say you know it helps us to think a little bit about how we're going to deal with these kinds of issues in 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 in, in our own family. Um, yeah, please. He not only was calm, but he was actually expressing his wishes. Right. He right. He was expressing what he wanted,
3: aside from the fact that he was accepting that he was dying. He was
0: giving instruction for what he wanted. Well you see, in that sense, he's a model that we want to try to emulate. And here's here's what I have learned. Um, you know, I do, I do these uh, five-day intensives in, in the graduate school of, uh, of a Catholic university. I have had the experience of teaching nuns and priests bereavement counseling, wearing a yarmulke, which goes to show God has a sense of humor in, 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 in all of that. And, and what I find is that the way in which one saw one's own parents deal with death is the way in which one learns that that's the way you deal with it, and sometimes it's a good, it's a healthy model. A
1: lot.
0: Well, well, a lot. Well, right? Sometimes it's a healthy model, and sometimes it's terrible. Sometimes you have to unlearn that one. Right? So, so actually, read number fifty twenty-four because you'll you'll see the effect that Jacob has on his son Joseph. Then Joseph said to his brothers, "I am about to die, but God will surely
1: come to your aid and take you up out of this land." the land he promised on earth to Abraham,
0: Isaac, and Joseph. So he takes what he learned from his dad, you talk about this openly, and he does the same thing. So what I want to invite you to do for just a moment is think about your models. How, when you were a young person, who were the people who taught you how you deal with death? Was it open was it closed? What you know, anybody wanna um, my mother was remarkably open, I think, uh uh-huh. planning. Um, she prepaid
1: her funeral, she had the, my <coughs> She had a gravestone ready except for her fate of death. But then when it came to actually dying, um, she wouldn't talk about
0: it. The last them, I have to eat. <laughs> so you got a mixed legacy in there. You got a mixed legacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 yeah? My father
1: um, said something very beautiful to me uh, when my grandmother, his mother, passed away. And he was very close to his mother. I was very, very close to my grandmother. She died on, I was a Christian. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'm a that she died on Good Friday, and the family wanted everybody there on Easter Sunday morning. And I told my mother and father I was so grieving so badly. I said I just can't go. He came home from the service and sat down beside me, and he said, "I need to tell you that your grandmother will never leave you, well. because."
0: she is part of your and so she will be with you for as long as so, so so again, that's you know, th- there's some value in that leg- legacy. I had a, I had a psychotherapy client. Um, when she was in high school, her father died tragically. He was he worked as an elevator operator in a large apartment in a large office building in Manhattan and the elevator shaft fell upon him. And the the rumor was that that he knew the elevator maintenance so well that that it was a suicide, that he had sort of played around with the wiring and that. The afternoon of the funeral, the uncle came in and took out the father's clothing from the house, and he was never mentioned again. He was never mentioned again. And I don't remember exactly how it was that she came to me, but um, it was like she had, she had to be, go back to be 16 years old and do the do the grieving. So so those kinds of stories, you know, there's a whole spectrum in terms of how people deal with that. And and I think that you know the the take home here is: Are you having the right conversations with? the people around you. Are you having a conversations with each other? Are you having conversations if you have children with your children? You know, I have I have uh, clients who come to me and say, you know, I wanted to talk to my, my uh, you know, my, my kids about funeral planning and they said, oh my, you know, don't worry, don't think about it, you know, you're not gonna... And it's like, I think, go and tell them you're gonna live till the day you die, but you want to be a little bit thoughtful about it. So I, I think the Jewish understanding is much more open than the the surrounding culture in which Judaism is is sort of embedded. And I see family members, children, urging parents to go and make arrangements because number one, they don't want to have to do it. Right.
3: But the parents' reaction is often, "Oh, there'll be enough money when the time comes," and yeah, right. they think of it as. Helping them financially by doing it ahead of time instead of thinking of it
0: as a responsibility. Right, 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 right. right, I'm I'm never dying. They think it's funny when they don't want to. Right. Okay, so let's let's, let's keep swimming in the text. Okay, so you want to go to uh, 48 3 to 4. So, you know, even more than acceptance of his death, and this is the point that you began to make before. What does he do? Go. God. Jacob said to okay. Joseph
1: God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and there he blessed me and said to me I am going to make you fruitful and will increase your numbers I will make you a community of peoples, and I will give this land as an everlasting possession to your descendants after you
0: Okay, Sandy, so read, read the next one I want to ju- ju- juxtapose as two of them I was returning from to
1: my sorrow Rachel died in the
3: land of Canaan while we were still on the way a little distance from Ephrath. So I buried you there beside the road to infront.
0: So what he's doing here is, I would say, his conscious dying. He's beginning to do his. Own, he's doing his life review. He's telling. He's reflecting back on his life. He says, "You know, God. Uh, God I had this sense of calling. God said, i 'I'm going to make you great.'" And he also shares the regrets of his life, the grief of his life. And and we know from Raymond Moody's work that people have near-death experiences. They have they have an experience of sort of seeing their 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 life reviewer. Or or if you were at the talk Thursday night, we talk about at the hour of a man's departure from this world. You know, he sort of has uh, uh, he sees all the deeds that he had had performed in in life. So so I I think this whole sense of being able to what we see here from Jacob is is part of conscious dying is. Mm -hmm reviewing your life and we have that in in judaism you know certainly every yom kippur is a chance to look at our life even every shabbat we do why do we do six psalms because it's a chance to like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, what was your week like? Every week around our Shabbos table, we say, you know, what was what was the highlight of the week? And and, and and there's always a chance to be reviewing your life. The other thing he does, it's not in this text, is he blesses his progeny. He calls his kids up one at a time, and he says some good stuff to them. You know, I, I, I love the story about... Um, or was it this? You know, this this guy comes home and he says, "Dad, Dad, you know, I just won the Nobel Prize." And the father says, yeah, "That's great, but w- were you the one who left the wrench on the patio?" You know, so, so sometimes we're m- we're much better off at giving the negative feedback rather than the positive feedback. So it's it, you know what we see here is he, he you know he does appreciate his his kids, and it's Im- it's important for us to appreciate. The, 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 the people that we live with, because when we check out of here, you know, we want to be able to make sure we, we left stuff clean. You know, like when I checked out of my hotel room, I, sh- I made sure I threw away the trash. My mother taught me very well, you know, clean up after yourself. I, I, it reminds me when I was working as a, as a volunteer in hospice way back many years ago, there was a man who was dying, and his two daughters were visiting him. And his ex-wife was sitting outside the hospital room, supporting the daughters. You know, I, I, I was, I mean, this was almost 30 years ago. You know, I, 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 I'm trying to, I was thinking about that this morning, if I would, how I would handle it differently. Because I really felt in my heart of hearts, I wanted to be able to, I try to encourage her to come into the room. And, and I don't think I had enough experience in that, but, but it always left me with a sense of, what sadness for the two of them not to be able to have some kind of closure at the end of their days. Yeah, look, we had a shitty marriage, but at least we, you know, we brought these two girls into the world. We, we, you know we, 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 we created that. And so what we see here from Jacob and from Joseph, in the sense, is, is the, the imperative to try to clean up our relationships. Now, I, I know that some relationships can't get cleaned up. You know, there, there's, a, there's a, a teaching that if you've if tried three times to offer your apologies to somebody and they can't accept it, the, the onus is on them. You know, but, but at least when we think about our lives, we want to think about what can I do so that when I get out of here, I don't leave a whole big mess.
2: Communication uh, amongst the uh, non-Jews the same as the Jews about death and
0: death. Well, look, you know, it's it, it it's it, 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 that's too general a question. I'll tell you why. you know, teaching 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 in um, a Catholic university. I get the Italian Catholics. I get the Irish Catholics. I get, you know, I get the Germans. There are more German Protestants than German Catholics. I think part of that is is culturally defined. So, you know, the question is like, hey, how do the South African Jews do around die, dying and death? You know, are are, the, are 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 you know, do they carry some of that? You know, there's a certain kind of a very, um, uh, what, what was the word like like um, what? Well, yeah, you, you know the Afrikaans kind of, kind, kind of, uh, you know, certain sort, of, sort of, you know, sturdy emotionality, um, or, or, or do we pick up sort of like the, you know, the, the Sephardi nuances of the Moroccans, you know? So, so I, I, I think.
2: I grew up in South Africa. Right. As far as I was concerned, nobody spoke about. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Nobody. Right. Bought a grave in advance. No one, unless the spouse had died, then you were entitled right. to go to the right.
0: Well, you know, it's interesting to ask how much of that is sort of Jewish South African, or is that, was that, is that well, South that's, African? That's like the, the, the question. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: And I don't know, I seem to get the feeling that uh, there isn't great communication in the Jewish community in America either.
0: No, no, absolutely. I, I mean, I, I think you heard me say this the other day. I, I, I said, you know, we, no, May, I, I spoke at another congregation yesterday. Um, I said that we were, um, this country was founded by the Taliban of Protestant England. Yeah. You know, we, we, there was, there's a real uptightness in, in sort of Protestant America around death. And I think that, you know, the Jews in America were pickled in the brine of that kind of Protestant discomfort. I find actually Catholics are a little less uptight about death than Protestants are, because you know Catholic has a communion of saints and there's more rituals and that. See, I I think the the work I've been trying to do is say we need to claim the traditional Jewish values that predate the cultures. The surrounding cultures, because there's you know whether it's the Jacob story or whether it's the fact that we say y- y- Yisker four times a year, or I, I, I remember I gave a Yisker sermon the year I, 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 I got married, and I said this kittle that I wore when I got married, I'm also going to wear when I be- get married. <laughs> People like like somebody went up. My wife was was the executive director of that, of that congregation. It was a student congregation. She said, Tell them to sit down. Tell them to sit down. <laughs> like they didn't want me to be talking so frontally about that. you know. So, uh, but it isn't it. it there are a lot of ways in our culture and i think the, the the take home on this is that it's changing and and each of you in your own way can be harbingers or vanguards of the change by being willing to have these conversations with each other and in your family you know you're from you're not from one congregation here but one of the questions that 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 i i'm, I'm going to ask is you know are you are, you, are your congregations you know, do you do you have shiva committees? Do you have appropriate burial committees? You know, if if you did a directory of all of the different services, all of the congregations have, what would you say? Would you say that there's good in-house support within the congregations, or I think some of them have established that. Some are better than others. Some are better than, some are better than others.
3: What I find when I talk to people is, is, and I and I think it comes more from the
0: there they, um, used to be, I think, we're getting around a little. There used to be a tremendous amount of superstition right. associated
3: with making burial arrangements in advance. of
0: right. need. And women weren't allowed. In Orthodox, women, women aren't. Yeah, pregnant women isn't, isn't allowed in All the cemetery. 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 So
3: the aren't allowed, but but there was this superstition which right. make burial arrangements that's right. something that's been maybe happen
0: right. right, 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 right. So well, you know, we're really creating a new template for American Jewish life. I mean, I'm really, really clear about that. Yeah, please. I, I just,
1: things can change your approach. When I had my bout with cancer, one of the things right. I did was my wife and I went and we got our funeral plots and we made the arrangements and right. all that, um, I didn't want her to have to worry about it. Right. Uh, no. Been in remission. Everything's fine. Uh,
0: Thank God. Um, well, you know why we actually, do it. You know, wait, wait, wait. You know why we do knock on wood? Yes. Yeah. Because you're touching the crucifix. <laughs> that's what, that's where that that comes well, from. My
1: wife is Catholic, so it's okay. <laughs> so it's okay, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. And, I, you know that those kinds of things, regardless of your religious background, right, change your perspective. For sure. You see dying for and preparing sure. for it in a very
3: different
0: way. For sure.
1: That's why they say people who've had near-death
3: experiences have a very different outlook right. exactly. on okay.
0: them. Right, 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 right. right. Well, um, I've also noticed, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years, so when I'm talking to, you know, I mean, I used to be young and foolish, now I'm just foolish. Um, <laughs> but, you know, um, when I'm when I'm talking to um let's say, younger retirees for an, 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 an age range, it's probably an okay word to use around Phoenix, right? It, it, they're 30 years younger than they were 30 years ago. It's not the Bubbies and eighties of Eastern Europe. So there's also more of an, uh, of, of an openness. And I think the boomer generation beginning to deal with their own mortality and, and, and having buried many of their parents or dealing with their parents dying and death is changing the culture. Um, but it, but it, but it, You know, it's still a long way to go. It, it, it's still a, you know, we still use people don't die; they expire. So I had to get up this morning and check my driver's license, you know, just to, just to see. Right. When 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 somebody calls me and say, you know, my father died. My, you know, my so I, what I say, the language I use is very simple. What were the circumstances of their death? Like, people don't even know what to say. So I, I, I know how to you know, engage them. I, you know, we're afraid to use the D word, even. Know, what were the circumstances of their death? I mean, sometimes I get, I get somebody t- taking me back to, to three years ago when they first got their diagnosis and taking me through the whole story of that. But it also it says to somebody, I'm willing to talk to you about it. And I, I think that's what we, we, want, we want to do. Okay, um, let's go to, uh, how are we doing? Okay, let's go to Genesis 49,
1: 29-32. Uh, 20, to Then you gave them the destruction, and about to be gathered to my people. I told of my fathers in the cave in the field of Ephron, the Hittite, the cave in the field of Mount Pellet, near Mount Rae, which Abraham bought as a burial place from Ephron the Hittite, along with the field. There Abraham and his wife Sarah were buried. There Isaac and his wife Rebecca were buried, and there I buried Lake Leah. The field and the cave in it were bought from
0: the Hittite. So this is what you said. You know he is very clear about giving his instructions. What's he doing? He's making sure his estate is in order in 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 a way. He's right, or at least pre-planning around, you know, around the burial plot, and you know, and he's modeling that. He's, you know, he's modeling this whole sense of getting his affairs in order, and you know, the 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 take-home on this one is, where are you with that? She's Sandy, she has her card here, right? But that, you know, that's one. But the, have you done your living wills? Who here has has has, has signed a living will? What are you waiting for? You, I'm working on it. You're working on it. So you can, you can, th- these days you can find, you know. My has Right. Well, you know, because of Reb Google, you know, you, c- you can <laughs> find stuff online very easily. You know, um, I don't know whether in, in Arizona you need to have it um, witnessed or notarized. You know, Pennsylvania, what? It can be witnessed. It can be witnessed, notarized. Yeah. Right, with, because of the Quakers, you know, in Pennsylvania, it's, it, 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 it's pretty easy. And the conservative movement has, uh, you, can, you, can, you know, you can order one, you can buy it, has a Jewish living will. So, like, there's, there's, there's asking you questions about any kind of Jewish practices or, you know, th- things like that. Um, so, so the, you know, there's living wills. There's also the ethical wills. Have you done anything on ethical wills? Yeah, it, it, you know, be interesting to think about bringing somebody in to do a workshop just to do that. In 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 actually, let start let start. in my congregation in, in Philadelphia, we did we did something on living wills. Isn't a will
1: living will
0: no, a, a living will is is more of a legal document around heroic measures. Or what you want if if you if right. It, it, whereas an ethical will is sort of like clearing your throat and saying, you know, like make sure you give money to tzedakah and change your socks and floss your teeth, and you know these are the values that I lived by. When I do my five-day intensive with with, um, they're usually religious these days. There's less nuns and priests and there are more religious educators and social workers and nurses. At the end of five days, I have them write a living will, and you know they're mostly Catholics. Ethical. Uh, the ethical will I, and they're mostly catholic so they haven't you know they haven't heard of that because it's really a fairly, fairly unique jewish tradition so i give them copies of, of jewish ethical will so i cross out some of the specific jewish stuff and and they write it um, Friday morning, we, we take an hour. Or I tell them to do work on Thursday night. And we finish it Friday morning, and we read it to each other. And it's really, 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 really profound. But in, in my synagogue at Germantown Jewish Center, they did something on living wills where there was a doctor. You take notes on this one, because it was a really good model. There was a doctor, there was a rabbi, and there was a lawyer. And so they did a panel discussion for a little while of some of the issues, the the implications around that. And then there were about ten of us who were facilitators. We worked in groups of eight. So the the synagogue had or more than ten. The synagogue had about a hundred and forty people come in to do this. And the and in the small groups we asked the question about what were the values, what you know, what were the issues, what were their Concerned, and then we came de- back, came together for a Q and A. But the fact that like 120 people came out for that is that like like we're living in changing times with regard to dying and death, and given the medicalization of that de- of death, we really need to have living wills. Right. Right, so th- there's a will, there's there's a living will, and then the ethical will is sort of what are the last like a letter that you want to write to your loved uh, to, to to your loved ones, and there's some nice stuff online. Pardon? You also need that well, you need a living will. When my, uh, w- well, you, you you know my 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 mother was dying, and my brother uh, was there, and the doctor said, does she have a does she have a, a, a DNR? You know, d- do not resuscitate. And he said, yes, she does. So, so in Canada, the doctor just took that as 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 a word, and and they didn't they didn't try to resuscitate her. In this country, there's it's so, medical care is so lit, lit, litigious that you, even if you have a living will, sometimes the doctors are afraid that they're going to be sued if you know if you didn't intubate her and give her to you know this and that, and it, you know it's like it, it's really important to make sure that that your caregivers and your doctors have copies of your living will. Tell you what else you need in your car. My teacher, Reb Zalman, here's another Reb Zalman story, Shmuel. Reb Zalman had a bell that he hung from the mirror in his car. And every time he'd hit a bump and the bell would go off, he would say the Shema. Because he said, if I'm going to kill the in a car accident, I want to go out saying, oh, shit.
1: <laughs>
0: so put a bell in your car and practice that one.
3: More about the death and dying, who wants to talk about it? There's a woman in Albuquerque who picked up on something that came over from, from Europe called Death Cafe.
0: Yes, I've done Death cafes. And I've
3: done Death cafes. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so tell, tell, tell us what Death, death cafes, cafe's are. Here. Pardon? We have 50, yeah. 50 people show up at each one. And basi- basically, you serve tea and cookies, like it like started out in Switzerland and in London, and then it came over. Come I'm here. here. This worker brought it over to the United States and you sit around tables. We had a facilitator at each table of eight or 10, and uh, with a lead off question for each table, it promotes discussion about death and dying. It's not for you to come if you're mourning and in grief and have a story to tell that was not the purpose of the event. It's for people who are curious, who are interested in discussing and hearing what other people's thoughts are and developing their own thoughts and and maybe losing some of their fears or gaining some knowledge. It's Very interesting. It goes on for about an hour and a half. And each table we had a proper facilitator—a rabbi, a social worker, a grief counselor—who
0: set it up. I know. did. You, oh, yeah. so right. So I call it a coffee cake and conversations yeah, about death. So true. you had tea and cookies, but but we um, now when we d- when we do it in Philadelphia, because I, I, a colleague of uh, of mine. Actually, I should tell you about her. Look up um, I'm Sorry To hear.com. Okay. Um, uh, sh- this is a woman who is doing a k- funeral care advocacy um, network nationally so she's listing all of the all of these these, these funerals so she and I set it up uh, she and I set it up again so we do them they're, un- they're, they're they're not facilitated they're like you know groups four or five and, and that but but it yeah so it's another way in which we're having these these conversations okay so a- I said living uh, I'm sorrytohear.com is 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 a funeral advocacy. I, I, I'm, I, I am I'm sorry to hear.com. I don't think it's a great name for the website, but so the other you know, wills, living wills, ethical wills, and can we get a word on organ donation, why that's important for people to uh, consider that?
1: Because
0: Yes, I know. He's certainly an advocate for it. And, and you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying do or don't do. I'm saying think about it. You know, when you get your driver's license, you have to put that down. I mean, these are all part of ways that we think about it. You know, what do you want to do? You know, where do you want to be buried? How do you want to be buried? Uh, you know, I, 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 you know I, I told this joke Friday night. I said, you know, my wife is wonderful. She, you know, she's She's, don't tell her I said so. You know she's a little messy. She doesn't always close doors and cabinets. So you know, and I, I want to make sure at my funeral that somebody says, can you make sure Razor closed the box? You know, that's <laughs> like that. That that's my fear. And that's
3: the exception to allowing someone to, in
0: effect, desecrate the body before uh, you get the Right. Well, the value of Rather saving a life transcends know. the value of of. Not, to, of, of, of not of not doing that. So I think I that, think the, the, you know, the, the point of all of this, the point of all of this is that there are multiple ways in which we can have these kinds of conversations in our families and with each other and think about it ourselves. And the value that if I don't think or talk about death, I'm not going to die, is not true. It's simply not true. I've yes. Which yeah. I'm about to be gathered to my Save it. Family. I when I'm going I'm going to I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Okay. okay? So so yes, thank you very much and and I'm I'm, I'm actually gonna, I have one more text and I'm gonna, and then I'm going to talk about uh, what that means that I'm about to gather my people. Okay, so you want to read um, read the last the, the last one here. Okay, so let's will 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 move on. Go, 51 to 10. The last paragraph. The last paragraph on the page. Um, Joseph threw himself upon his father and wept over him and kissed him.
2: Then Joseph directed the physicians and his servants to embalm his father of Israel. So the physicians embalmed him for the full 40 days, for that was the time required for embalming. And the
1: Egyptians mourned for him 70 days. When the days of mourning had passed, Joseph said to Pharaoh, if I have found favor in your eyes, tell him, my father made me swear no, and said, I'm about to die, bear me in the tomb, I dug for myself, knowing the payment. Now let me go up and bury my father, then I will return. Pharaoh said, go up and bury your father, as he made you swear to do. So Joseph went up to bury his father. When they reached the threshing floor of the top near the Jordan, they lamented loudly and bitterly and observed
0: a 7-day sort of period of for his Okay, so there's something in this text about um, bereavement rituals. What do you notice? What are some of the of the time frames? What do you, what do you notice in here? I'm sure about the at the end. At the end. Okay, so but noticing before that, the physicians embalmed him taking a full 40 days, right? 40 days. Well, this is the only case we have of of it's probably not embalming in the way we think of embalming. It's mummification. Lachanot has something to do with sort of like they, it was a kind of preservative, but it wasn't taking out the blood and putting it back in. You know, what the, the, the kind of, of sort of quasi medical embalming of our culture today is, is not what's going on here. But first they do 40 days and then they do 70 days. Basically, Jacob gets a traditional. Egyptian burial, and then they do a Jewish one. <laughs> then they, they, he, he goes to he he, he he goes to Atad, and they do the seven day period of mourning. So notice that he waits until the mourning period is over. He he does the full length of time, and what it is 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 the take home out of this is that to everything there is a season, we can't hurry grief any more than we can deny it. That that sometimes people rush through, they wanna like get on with it, and it's like, wait a minute, it doesn't go away just because you decide you're gonna get up from Shiva after two days and go back to work. You're gonna be walking, I remember I went in the middle of Shiva one point into a store and I was like, what am I doing here? I have no idea why I'm here. I was totally, totally disoriented. So there's a natural organicity in Jewish tradition. There's the funeral, there's the Shiva, there's the Shloshim, there's the Kaddish, there's the site, And then we keep remembering, f- you know, four times a year with, with, with the yisker. And and I think the the Jewish value around that is really really a wise one, and and um, what was it? Uh, I think somebody said on on Seinfeld there was a, a program where some some somebody somebody some woman had had died or somebody's friend had died, and the Jewish woman said to her non-Jewish friend, "Well, you could sit shiva." Okay. You know, like our Jewish practices are are very valuable in in in, in, in a more. Generic kind of way. Um, Something that I don't have in this text. That I I wrote this little book here. I'll I'll, I'll do a little promo called "Living and Dying in Ancient Times: Death, Burial, and Mourning in Biblical Tradition." So some of this stuff and some of what I did the other night is in here. Um, When Jacob, uh, when Joseph and his retinue go to Atad, let me see if I can read it out of here. so they, they, they get to a Todd, and Joseph went to bury his father with him, all the servants of Pharaoh, the, the elders of his house, all the elders of the land of Egypt, all the house of Joseph and his brothers and his father's house. Only their little ones, their flocks, and their herds they left in the land of Goshen. They went up with chariots and horsemen. So it, it was a huge procession. There was like a dozen Cadillacs. <laughs> you know, there, there, it, 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 it it was a huge procession, and what he's doing here, according to some scholarly writing, is that he's enacting a ritual procession as they're traveling from Egypt to Canaan. It's almost like a, a, an Egyptian burial ritual that he's enacting. And when they get to Atad, they end up. They call the place Avel Mitzrayim, the mourning of of of, of Egypt, because they're mourning so loudly. And and actually, there's some suggestion that even in how they bury Jacob, they're enacting certain kind of funerary practices of uh, of 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 ancient uh, Egypt. But I think the take home on all of this is that we, within Judaism, we have some very effective rituals. Um, with all due respect, a three-day Shiva is an oxymoron. Um, the, you know, people are disoriented. I say, you know, what do you expect? It's the shloshim. You're still in that period of time because I can't say Kaddish every day. I say, you know what? If you can't say Kaddish every day, take some time every day for the Kaddish process. I make a distinction between Kaddish as a ritual act and Kaddish as a process of mourning. So, if you know, I, I say, you know, in Philadelphia, we have um, an all news, all the time station. You probably have one here. I listen to it. It's the, you know, I get the score three to two, three murders, two fires. You know, it's the same crap every single day. So I say, turn off KYW, turn off the news, you know, especially these days, the junk that's on the news with the, with the political stuff. And, you know, and so on your drive home, spend five minutes and consider that Kaddish time. Um, we, you know, my, my wife every morning, she does her exercises and she would take a few minutes and sort of like have a Kaddish moment with her father. When I was mourning for my father, I wrote, a, uh, I wrote poetry. So I have a book of like 40 poems, Kaddish echoes. I'd go to shul, I'd come home and, 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 and I'd do some writing. So find a way of honoring the process because our, our Jewish wisdom says there is a process that, that, that needs to be honored.
1: The shuttle
3: process seems to have shrunk, for lack of a better word, for many people from seven days to, to
0: three days. right.
3: So the soul hovers in the house of mourning right. from three
0: to seven, to seven days.
3: days.
0: Well, reformed souls only take three days. Yeah. They, they, <laughs> right. Well, you know, I think, I think it look it obviously you know it, I, my, my own sense is the 3 day shiva d- doesn't give people the time they need psychologically you know let alone spiritually what you know this, i i believe the soul finds its way you know people say oh i didn't i didn't sit shiva it's like okay the soul will figure it out the soul will 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 will, will figure it out um, Sometimes it makes sense. Look, look, you know, somebody's been, somebody's had Alzheimer's for ten years. They've not been around. They har- they hardly have any community left. There's, you know, uh, um, but so, you know, when I wo- when I worked in funeral home, I worked for Michael Benjamin, and sometimes they would, I was I was sort of resident psychologist, and sometimes they would call me in to make a minion because the, the family didn't even have a minion. And, you know, it's one thing when it's a graveside burial for a 95-year-old man who has no surviving relatives. Another when it's a 60-year-old guy, the son is there, the mother is there, one, one cousin is there, and there's nobody else in, in the family. So those kind of situations where people don't have any communal support and they rush through the ritual ends up becoming a, a, a potential situation that, that's problematic.
1: I think one of the things that helps has helped. The average bereavement day policy tends to be three or four days. So, you know, we don't see them seven days.
0: Right. Uh, of course,
1: that would be five because there's a weekend there. But it, I think part of that is contributed to the shortening right. process because that's your paid time right. off.
0: See, so in, my, in my community, which is really, yeah. Sorry in my community in West Mount area which is really one of the the kind of progressive uh, liberal communities you know like it's it's hard to have Jewish intensity and commitment without being in an Orthodox community and in Mount as I like to say we do Shiva really well you know so people will often go and do two three days of Shiva with their family and then they'll come back and they'll do Shiva in our community and I encourage people put out photographs uh, get people to tell stories. Michael Benjamin used to give people—I don't know if he's still doing—family trees mm-hmm. to do to do genealogy during the time of of, of yes, yeah, great idea. That's a great idea to be able to do that. Yes. Not only the
1: ability to deal with that and prepare this and that, or to really sit through kind really yeah. sit in discomfort, or or the workplace. Um, but
0: also this the the, the, the breakdown of communities, the right. breakdown of friendships. I mean, right. we know women typically in America are better at friendships than men. But the right. average man had three friends they could rely upon in the 80s, whereas today the average man can rely on less
1: than one. Right. To have to have so, so the fact that people feel uncomfortable inviting people to their house, because, ah, oh, I'm not really good friends, I don't really have, I don't really know these people. I the day, it's like someone in your community dies, We right. go. right. It's not right. about being a close right. friend. So I think there's a much deeper problem here in yeah. than yeah. just looking at death. Yeah. How do we actually support one another? Right. Right. You know? I, I don't know the answer to rebuilding really
0: that. Right, right. Well, you know, I mean, actually, I put on my Facebook status last night that as of, to the, as of last night, I now have 1,500 friends. During the past year, I've gotten... Calls from a, calls, text from about two or three, them. they gets to meet for coffee. So I just want to announce to all of you out there, some of whom I've met, some of whom I haven't. Anytime, just call me. And right. So, but but on the other hand, there is a very interesting thing happening with with mourning in the cyber realm. The amount of emails and Facebook little vignettes that I got from hundreds and hundreds of people, when, when, when my mother died, because my father died, it was a little early in, in, into the internet phenomena. Um, it, it, you know, it meant a lot to me, and there are a couple of places where there are online services where I could attend a Shiva minion. Like there, there's there I think there's some halakhic rulings around whether you can whether you whether you you can have whether you can consider it a minion if it's online. I mean there's some there's some stuff around that. So there's, there and there's there's a guy in New York, his name is Stephen Blaine, where he has where he now has a minion every night and um, I mean sometimes I, you know i 'll confess my heresy, you know, so sometimes it was like a really cold winter night, and I just was too too sad, too tired, too depressed to even go out for for minions so i would I would like log on and I would type in the name of the person I was saying Kaddish for, and he would cite it back you know so it was an it was an interesting kind of of sense of 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 an artificial community, so I think that we're really I'm not, I'm not, look, I'm not, I'm not convinced 1,500 friends, you know, nobody has time to make meat for coffee because everybody's reading their damn email and spending time reading their Facebook crap, you know, I mean, that's, that that's, 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 that's part of the problem. Away from the real, the
3: real just like they're streaming, they're streaming funeral services now, right. and so you can stay at work and just watch it, Right. No, there. I think
0: no. it's so good and bad, it's problematic.
3: It's bad. ...people from overseas... Can't be there, right? Stream it and can see it, right? Yeah, but but I had an Andrew passed away last year, and we were here during the winter Snowbird, and I wanted to go back to her granddaughters, but grandma would not want to do this. I mean, so they like we
0: were able to stream it, yeah. right. right. I don't have a problem with that. I felt I it.
3: Right. problem
0: with people not caring and not right.
3: to make That's the right. effort to be there right. when it's right there in their
0: community. Well I hope there'll be laser discs so I could speak at my own funeral. <laughs> like to, to have like a like you know like on 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 Star uh on 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 Star Trek, you know, somebody can manifest and you know, so like I, my wife would, like you you're such a control freak you can't even give it up after you're dead. That's
1: a good reason for the box to be partially open. Right. <laughs> I'll find a way. She
0: should try to close me off. I can still <laughs> Okay, so let's go to let's go. We'll 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 wind down in, in the next fifteen minutes or so. But but um, so the, the, I want to go to your question about I'm gathered to my people, right? Because that's that's an image that actually does stand out from the text. Speaking of his death, Jacob says, "I'm about to be gathered to my people," and that's actually a fairly Common image in 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 the Torah, particularly in the book of Genesis, you're either gathered to your people, or um, what was he? he was gathered to his people, or he was gathered to his fathers. Um, so Abraham and Isaac are gathered to their people. Um, Moses is you know shown a glimpse of the land, and God says, now you'll be gathered to your people. kings oh, the other image is he slept with his fathers. Right, so King Solomon is said to stop with his ancestors. So death in the language of the Bible is to return to some kind of ancestral realm. So I got the mic. Anybody want to comment on that? You asked me the question, but before I answer it, how do you understand that? Well, to
1: me, I, look, I looked at that as saying, well, there's going to be an afterlife and right. I'm going to be with my ancestors, um, my community.
0: Well, you know, people say we do, we don't have afterlife in the Bible, but we don't have it in a philosophical sense. But in a more almost like we can deduce it in an anthropological sense, like there's some semblance of suggesting that. Now, you have to under, let's look at the culture. Do you remember years ago during Operation Desert Storm, Ted Koppel? Was was somewhere in Saudi Arabia, and you could see the camels in the background. Remember, we're talking about Bedouin culture here. You know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. You know, in terms of their cultural context, you know, they 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 weren't Southern Jews. You know, They, they 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 weren't Eastern. They weren't Ashkenazim. They were Bedouins. So when he when he says, you know. God, you know, he he's he's lying in his bed and he brings his his children and his grandchildren. The the cultural context of the Bedouins is the family clan. So there's even suggestion that, you know, when he says the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God, God of Jacob, there's like this family clan with Abraham is the patriarch and Sarah or Isaac is the patriarch and Rebekah or Jacob and his, his wives and his, his concubines and his children and his God. And they live together in community while they're alive. And when they're dead, they live together in community over here. Uh, you know, that they're, 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 now they were also buried. Where is he buried? where which is where and where was rachel buried and what are two of the most contested political places in israel to this day isn't that interesting that hebron and bethlehem which is where the ancestors are buried are among the most contested places politically so you know there's something about the what 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 uh, who was it one of the anthropologists called participation mystique so, the, like, there's this mystical participation of community, and then there's this, this mystical realm of the dead. It also has some resonance with the near-death experience. When, when Raymond Moody says, you know, uh, people people are gathered to, you know, people have a, have, have have an awareness of of of, of a, a deceased family member or something on, on on the other side. So, there's some whole other sense of afterlife that is in there. In biblical tradition. I, I, you know, I didn't talk about that when I talked about afterlife on Thursday night, but there is a sense of for a while it's in the family grave. There's actually evidence of, archaeological evidence that's done with burial chambers in Israel, not Canaanite burial chambers, where there would be a hole in it and they would put in food stuff. They would actually be feeding the dead. There's this, um, do, you know, do you know what Vidui um, um, would bring. They would bring a basket of first fruits to the temple. It was sort of like paying income tax. And they would wave it before the high priest and they would say, Behold, I have not eaten of this in my morning, nor have I fed it to the dead. Why did they have to say that? Because they were probably doing that. There was some sense in which, in the early phases, they were communicating with the dead and they were feeding the dead, and that. So there's a lot of kind of anthropological inferences to a sense of 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 of, of, of the world beyond. Um, and this whole growing death awareness movement is being influenced by more and more what we're learning about afterlife from different traditions and 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 what we're learning about near death experiences. Um, so what you know what 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 I want to do is you know share one more story as a wind down, and then we'll you know we'll sort of do a little bit of of, of open mic dialogue. Um, it's a story told about the death of the Balshemtov. The Balshemtov was the founder of the Hasidic movement, and at the end of his life, um, it was Shavuot, and uh, he gathered his students together. And he was teaching them Torah on the um, on on uh, the giving of the commandments of Mount Sinai, and then um, he uh, asked for the Kabbalat Kaddish to come, and he gave some instructions on how he wanted his body to be buried, and then he asked for his his talis and his. Uh, and his, and, and, his, 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 his and He was praying, and he was praying with this sense of passion that he always prayed with, where you felt like when he was praying there was somebody on the other side listening and, and talking. And then he said to his students standing around, he said, um, there are two clocks in the house, and when both clocks have stopped, my time to be in this world will have ended and originally and he was he was describing the experience of the soul leaving the body through first through the extremities kind of moving gradually and then he said now I can no longer continue to speak and they looked and one of the clocks had stopped and he's breathing in he's breathing out he's breathing in He's breathing out, he's breathing, you know, and he stopped and they looked and the second clock had stopped. And they say those who were present at the time of his funeral could see his soul ascend to heaven in a flame of blue. And I want to end with that story because it gives us a sense that there's got to be a different way to go than the way in which we sometimes hear of it in our culture. We're, we're evolving to the point where we could have a much more gentle deathbed experience. You know, uh, listen, my father came home, he was, at a, he was at a concert at his synagogue and he went in the bathroom and, and uh, he wasn't feeling well and he killed over and dropped dead. It's, you know, it, and the bathroom was one of his favorite places. So, you know, it was it was as good a place, it was the good place that it goes anywhere. This, listen to this story. He was, if he, my father took pictures his entire life. Fifty, you know, fifty years of taking pictures or <coughs> more. And rarely, we don't have that many pictures of him. You know, because he was he, he didn't he wasn't he didn't give people the camera too often to take his picture. Um, but that night he took pictures of the rabbi, the chazan, the guest chazan, and the president of the of the congregation. It was a Chabad synagogue, so there's these big burly guys. And then he, uncharacteristically, he gives somebody a camera and says, here, take a picture of me. And he's standing in between these four guys. And that was taken up within an hour of his death. That was his last photograph. So the four Malachi Asharate who are going to escort him off, the uh, the the, the uh, escorting angels. So look, I, I think we're evolving different ways of ending the life journey. Seeing that ain't none of us getting out of here alive, and I think that that um, you know what what Torah teaches us is that yes, there's death, yes, there's transition. But but uh, you know after Jacob's death, we 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 get into the you know the book of Exodus and life goes on. But ultimately, it's you know it's how we live our lives and how we love and, and who are the people that uh, that it's important to have these conversations with. So, Ad Khan, and let's uh, keep some conversation going it takes the middle path the, the, first of all even, even the bar on that is changing but um, there, there's, there's one story where um, Rabbi Yehuda is dying and his Talmidim his students are praying for him, praying for him, praying for him and his daughter goes to the second story of the house and throws out a pot to, b- to distract them. So when they're all distracted and they stop praying, Rabbi Yehud is able to die. So it's like that, that's sort of arguing against heroic measures, right? You know, on the other hand, I think Rabbi Akiva is, is being tortured and like he swallows the fire so he can die more quickly. So there's a sense of like, not active euthanasia, but not, not heroic measures, is, is at least the traditional perspective. I th- and There tends to be um, within Judaism a discomfort around what we would call um, physician assisted death. But uh, you know, like the bar and the culture is changing on that one. It's you know, as we speak, it's being de- it's being debated in legislatures across the country. You know, the the the, the lifespan. I don't have the exact statistics here, but I think the average lifespan in 1900 was like 50, and now it's like 78, 83. For, you know, a little lot you know, for women, and so. And it's expanding more and more and more. So, the, the, you know, my sense is that halakhically, Judaism will catch up to 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 so some of these issues.
3: Hospice care is already, to, to an extent, a form of assisted dying. Yeah. But then you get the the legislature in Oregon, where you only have to be there I think 24 right. hours or three days or right. something, and you can you,
0: can, right. you know, or Dr.
1: Kavorkian and his
0: day. right. Well, someone said, you know, in 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 uh, Amsterdam you have right to die, legalized marijuana, and legalized prostitution. So they were going to go there and, you know, cause of death orgasmia. <laughs> uh, I, you know, w- w- what, I, I said this in one of my talks this weekend. Um, there was some halachic emendation that the rabbis gave. I think it's, uh, 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 the, the, ra- the rabbis had to do some halakhic em- emendation to allow. Uh, let, 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 let me state this differently. Um, there was a certain point when the change went from carrying a beer, carrying a body to the, to the cemetery as opposed to transporting it on a horse and carriage. And so the rabbis had to give a halakhic dispensation to be able to do it that way. So I'm sure they did one when it came to taking a body in a Cadillac. So so what it points to is a certain inherent flexibility in the halakhic system around death rituals. And I think that that's going to somehow find a way to address some of those issues like it, it's, not, it, it, the, the, it's, not, it's not correct to speak it as physician-assisted suicide, but physician-assisted death. Cremation, I'm not going to open that can of worms on my last few you know, minutes here. The other thing, I attend a conference in New York every couple of years called The Art of Dying. And they gather together really the state of the art people doing fascinating stuff. The New York Open Center. If any of you are New Yorkers, you, it's really it's a 30 years. It's been a center of holistic health and and, and spirituality. So there's a guy there, Anthony Bosis, who's running the New York Psilocybin Project. Psilocybin is a, a synthis- synthetic mushrooms. So the last legal research, on, on they, they, were, they were giving psychedelics, they were giving LSD to dying cancer patients in the early 1960s. And people were able to have mystical experiences that helped them to die more resolved. People were freaking out on an acid, and Nixon put a clamp on all of that research, and there was none of it done. They've permitted some small scale studies in Los Angeles, in Chicago, in New York on use of, of psilocybin with dying cancer patients. It's a four hour trip instead of an eight hour trip. They're a controlled substance and it's helping people die, people who are, you know, in end stage situations, die more peacefully. What the Dr. doctor Boses said is that within three to five years Psilocybin is going to be taken from a controlled substance to something that you'll be able to get with a physician's uh, uh, p- prescription, which means that we will have a pharmacology of the spirituality of end of life, not just of pain control. So I, I you know, I, I'm I'm really clear that we're in the very early stages of this revolution that Kubler-Ross started. That, that, that the changes, the confluence of stuff on near-death experiences, and end-of-life issues, and hospice, and more bereavement work, and you know, these kinds of conversations, death cafes, and you know, talking, teaching more children more actively, dying and death. I mean, there's a lot of ways in which this change is happening. So I want to end to remind you that you're all harbingers of the new vision. And, and when you have these conversations in your family, you, you change the, the, the context in which we're dealing with life and death issues. And so I thanks, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. I've had a great time in Phoenix. I hope to get back soon. Yeah, please. Can I ask
1: a question. It links something today to Thursday. And I realize not everybody is on Thursday,
0: that's a good message to buy my book on Jewish views of the afterlife, so I don't have to take any home. <laughs> <laughs> um
1: gathered to my people. Mm-hmm. And then you spoke of the afterlife you go on the assumption of the immortality of the soul. And if I understand the charge on that spiritual unification death of spiritual unification. Or any of the literature suggests that when the soul achieves that after all the other steps, that there is still the ability to be aware of other.
0: of individuality. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. You're
0: with you know, I'm not. I'm not sure because I don't remember since the last incarnation. You know, it obviously, <laughs> obviously, it would depend on one's level of awareness. You know how, like, we might all dream, but some of us are are, are remember remember of it. So, you know, th- actually, let, let, me, let me let me try to give you a, a story that goes like this. Um, there was a a, a, a young chassid who hires. A balagula. A baal Agula is, is um, a teamster. A baal agala, the master of the wagon. Uh, you know, a horse and buggy driver, to get him to his rebbe on time. And Shabbos is coming, and he's like pushing, 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 and then one of the horses dies, and you know he 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 he. he oh, I think he's told of the Baal Shemtub. the Tov. hires somebody to get him to to get him to, to his, his rebbe on time, and um, one of the horses dies. And then, after Shabbat, the Baal Shemtov heard that the other horse had died also. And the Baal Agula, because this was his livelihood, this was his Parnosa, he himself dies of a broken heart. So um, rebeli Mella, I, I mean, the Baal Shemtov, prays for him to enter into Gan Eden. And, and the guy enters into Gan Eden, the Heavenly Garden of Eden. And it's so lofty and so sublime that he's like totally confused. He doesn't know what the hell to do there. He can't understand what's going on. And he's miserable. So the Baal Shem Tov hears this. So he prays for him to have his new Gun Eden. So he has a Gan Eden where he gets a uh, new wagon and new horses. And he rides forever in, 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 you know on, on, on roads that don't have potholes. So, you know, like that that's a teaching story about how one experiences their own level of awareness and level of consciousness. So it may be that some souls merge with the divine and, and are done. And other people have some needs karmically or whatever to keep having a sense of individuality. So, you know, I'm not sure of that. I mean, you know, the other thing is there's some non Jewish literature that that suggests that it's not Linear and sequential like I'm here now, but I was there then and I was there then and I'll be there then But it may be that at some level we are all living multiple incarnations simultaneously So I'm here, but I'm also in medieval Europe and I'm also in the you know 21st century uh, on a trip to, to, to Mars so you know I'm, I'm I, if you noticed in my my talk I was less focused on sort of the metaphysics of it all and more on the practical stuff because, you know, because I'm a pastoral counselor and a psychologist and, and how do we use that? So, the, so my almost honest answer is I don't know. You know, I don't, I don't know whether one merges, like, like wh- when I die, I'd like to think my grandmother will be there, she died in 55, but maybe she's reincarnated as my kid. You know, I, I don't know that. I don't know that, actually. Well,
1: most of, a lot of what you, gave of us was kabbalistic, you said. Right. I mean, obviously, I'm not expecting you to tell us of your personal life after death. That right. 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 Well, uh, you know, you. Uh, you know, was there something in that literature that suggests that if you do have this final unification, you're still there is some awareness of other souls around? I mean, people always. Ask, yes. you oh, No. No. In. 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 In.
0: At some level, so soul, the souls hang out in family groupings. So definitely, there, there, there is. Some, but but it's 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 trans individual. It's like, in other words, you you hang out with with souls that you resonate with, as opposed to people that you, you you're beyond your own individuality of that uh, uh, at, at that point. And. I still have to do more research on, uh, you know, I, 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 I want to, don't don't tell him I said so, but I want to try to convince Molly to invite me back to do the reincarnation series.
3: <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you all.